0: Welcome back to another week of Romance and Color.
1: Hi, guys. Welcome back to another week.
0: Yes, we hope you all had an amazing uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, How was your weekend, Akini?
1: Oh, it was very nice. It was laid back. There weren't any barbecues or anything. (laughs) Me and the boys just chilled. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it was fun. I got a lot of rest. We went to the dog park with BJ and stuff like that. It was good. nice what about you I saw you guys grilling and gardening oh
0: yeah oh (laughs) yeah we get we really enjoyed our you know we redid our patios we're Mm -hmm. enjoying the new patio and the new grill and stuff until it's it just started pouring down raining out of nowhere (laughs) girl we had to run in the house it was like hurricane level winds which is so weird but um yeah we got in the house and it was cool though because by that time we had done uh, barbecuing mm-hmm. and everything but we had a good little time and enjoyed ourselves out on the patio so it was real nice playing okay. old school music and all that stuff oh so very it was nice a lot of fun yeah 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 mm-hmm. so yeah so last week we talked about sex and mental health to conclude uh may's um mental health awareness week uh thank you yukini for bringing this up and having this be yeah. a part of the podcast for the month i think it was really really important i yeah, hope everybody got something out of the three uh segments that we did especially the one on self-care yeah and um the one we had about sex and and, and mental health which is also really really important Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, uh, we had one about men encouraging men to go and seek therapy. So, if you Mm -hmm. haven't caught up on those podcasts, please go back and listen to them. Uh, We had a good time talking about all that, and it was super, super informative. So, yeah. I hope you all Mm kind of take heed and and, and got some uh, gems out of those uh, podcasts. Um, But last week in Hot Topics, we talked about Keisha Cole begging for Antonio Brown back. Um it, it was embarrassing, sis. Oh god, stand up. Uh DMX's fiance, uh Desiree Lindstrom, uh mm. saying that she was going back to school because she, as a common law wife, she's not entitled to anything.
2: Yeah. And
0: we talked about black men frolicking and hoochie daddy shorts, speaking of which about Jason. Jay, so, Jay oh, wore his no. little Hoochie Daddy shorts from Memorial oh, Day. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
2: Oh, man. Uh,
0: did you find pizza uh, Hoochie Daddy shorts?
1: I have not found too many Hoochie Daddy shorts, but that may be what he gets for Father's Day. We shall see.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and oh, watching romance. romance.
0: I know. And watching romance. We talked about the This Is Us finale, which was, oh my God, it was amazing. Um, I cried my eyes out. Oh my god! <laughs> I heard everybody was so in tears. And oh, stuff. It was, it mm-hmm. was, it was emotional. And I, we, I talked about the courtship finale. I felt the last episode of the um, the uh, recap with my good friend Meg over at Plot Trish It comes out tomorrow, so you all can listen to that um, recap of the courtship finale. Na- Meg and I weren't too pleased about who she picked. Okay. But, uh... <laughs> But you all can catch up on reruns of it on Peacock in USA because they'll be re airing it over the summer as well. Okay. Um, and in reading romance, I talked about a great little book uh called The Accidental Pinup by Danielle mm-hmm. Jackson. But, mm-hmm. um, Yakini, what is the hot topic this week? What are we going to talk about uh in the hot topics in romance this week?
1: Okay, so Bobby Brown. Um, who I think we love. Um, You know, Bobby Brown's had his ups and his downs and he's Mm -hmm. had a lot of tragedy in his life and he's just stayed strong and stayed the course. Um, Mm -hmm. So he has a two-part, well, actually he had a two-part documentary that started Memorial Day, um, Mm -hmm. May 30th and May 31st. um, Mm -hmm. And that's followed by the Bobby Brown Every Little Step reality series that he now has with his wife, Alicia Etheridge. Um, Mm -hmm. So in kind of gearing up for that, he he's been doing some interviews and, you know, talking about, you know, his life, of course, people always ask him about Whitney Houston and their legacy and the love they shared. And mm-hmm. I was listening to an interview recently. It was an interesting interview. This was um just a segment from it. But basically, the interviewers asked, you know, him, how would he like people to reference him and Whitney's legacy together? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were left with, you know, a bad taste in their mouth from their brief reality show. That right, like, right, right. Low. And, you know, people have all sorts of feelings and thoughts about her. And then, you know, there was one narrative about who introduced drugs into the relationship. And then the narrative changed when his story came out. So people just kind of saw their love as this kind of intense but crazy, chaotic drug infested term, you know, a lot of, you know, and and so the interviewer said, how would you like people to reference you and Whitney's legacy and the time you spent together? So Bobby said, well, you know, me and Whitney were in love. He said, first and foremost, we were in love and it was real. Mm -hmm. He said, we loved hard and yes, we fought hard, but he said, I just want people to know that if they look at the love side of it, they'll find something deeper. So I think Mm -hmm. he's saying, you know, obviously their relationship was not free of, Drama, you know, I guess right will have highs and lows, but he just wants people to really focus on the positive and the love, and I respect that. Yeah, um, I do too. Yeah, and then, um, the interviewer asked, How does he or how does Elisa Etheridge um, feel about the fact that Whitney's name comes up so often? They asked, Does it cause tension in, in his marriage? Like, because you know, they have, does she they have other up? children, right? They do they share have. children, yes, okay. yes, yeah. I think you know, yeah, yeah. I, I I know his obviously the, the daughter he had with Whitney she passed away Bobby Christina and mm-hmm. his son passed away so I'm not sure yes. if he have any living children from before their marriage but in any case the interviewer wanted to know if you know it causes tension with Alicia and he said you know no not at all he said my wife is very understanding of my past she knows that my past is what it is she's supportive of everything I've gone through and she's mm-hmm. supportive of what I'm and she's supportive of what I'm working on correcting in my life. <clears throat>
2: mm. so you know
1: I mean that's his perspective you know that she doesn't have any annoyance or resentment and probably uh-huh. so you know the woman is deceased she was a legend I don't know you know so I'm sure she takes it all in stride it comes with dating bobby brown and being married to bobby brown you know right 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 married to whitney houston so yeah Mm -hmm. it was it was an interesting interview like i said the two night event aired on a and e that was may 30th and 31st so you can watch an encore of that when they re-air it on a and e and if you are interested in following bobby and his wife alicia and their beautiful family that reality show is also going to be starting soon so i'm happy for him I'm excited for you know what what he's gonna do in the future. I know he still mm-hmm. has his barbecue sauces and stuff. I just want mm-hmm. Bobby to win, you know. Me um, so too. Really, yeah, yeah, I love Me him too. and I'm proud of him. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. Clean and that's not easy. And you know, every day is a struggle, as you will hear anyone, I'm sure, who is a, re- a recovering addict say. You know, mm-hmm. every day is a new day, and you just take it one step at a time. So, yeah, you, Bobby, yeah. We're, yeah, we're rooting for you. Yeah, we yeah. totally are. He's he's gonna be fine, I
0: think. I, yeah, I think, I think he's he's in recovery. He's working actively to stay yes. clean. Yes, and yes. I think from from every interview I've seen, he's looking great. He sound he's sounds great. Real he's been good. singing. He's been singing. Healthy. He sounds good. Look at healthy. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he definitely got a little weight on him. Now, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But you know, he's at, the man's off. like almost sixty now? Yeah, like
1: that. yeah. So I mean, he looks good. I mean, he, he looks, looks really, really good. good. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Think that his marriage to Alicia. You no, know, people can say what they want. I think that might that was good for him, and maybe what mm-hmm. he needed to stabilize him to have children again that are young. He mm-hmm. needed that fresh start and that new beginning. Yeah, just to have a nice normal kind of middle slash upper class life, you know, he's still mm-hmm. tours and stuff, but they're just a regular family and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, really, really yeah. low key. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Out of the spotlight. That's mm-hmm. it. That's Yeah. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that's good news for Bobby. I I, I love a reality show for him. And it seems like a good one, like a wholesome family one, not yeah, some that seems you know. Awesome. <laughs> the other woman showing up at the apartment yelling up Alicia, come down! Like it's not going to be any of that. It's going to be the family and his businesses and him him performing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you shoot. know how they can make it ugly if they want yeah. to get ugly. But shoot,
0: I like I like um being Bobby Brown with, with him and Whitney or whatever. Yeah, shoot, I enjoyed awesome. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: know. Oh, I think I God. They, they gave yeah. us some gems on that, that show. They, they, did. Some they did. Andy <laughs> says he'll never air that again out of respect for Whitney. But yeah, oh, so really? have, oh, yeah, he's been asked often if he'll ever let Bravo air it. And he said, just out of respect for her, he wouldn't. Because I guess people cite that as kind of evidence of how she when she was on and that wasn't yeah. rock bottom yeah. actually but yeah you know. it wasn't but it's it still special in its own way for the culture but yeah, yeah. it was mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so that's bobby and alicia and his family mm-hmm. so speaking of families and broken families if you will Devin mm-hmm. franklin who we know filed uh, for divorce from megan good this past year mm-hmm. he is going to be um he's going to be joining married at first sight as an expert Okay. <laughs> he is gonna be so Devin said <laughs> Oh Lord so he's gonna know. be joining <clears throat> he's gonna be joining the show's regular relationship advisors Dr. Schwartz and Pastor um, Roberson mm-hmm. along with Dr. Holeck. So he's not replacing anyone, he's just going to be like an additional um, expert, ro- you know, relationship expert. Um, so Devin Franklin says that basically. <sighs> He said he refuses to live in fear and shame after filing for divorce. So <laughs> I not mean, that... you, brother. But still. <laughs> <laughs> so he's joining the other three. They're going to be, you know, providing guidance to all the couples on the show. So basically, what Devin said is that he was approached to join the season before he filed for a divorce from Megan Good, which was oh, in that's, December Possibly. Yeah. yeah. So he said that after the divorce filing became public the um the show's production said to him look we still want you it doesn't matter to that you know it doesn't matter to us that you filed for divorce because
2: we still mm-hmm. feel like
1: you could help other couples So Devin Mm. said he really struggled. He said he was gonna tell them no. He said because he felt so much shame and there was a voice Mm -hmm. in his head saying, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a failure. How can you help anybody save their marriage when yours didn't work out? You know, you didn't even have a successful marriage yourself. Who do you think you are? So Mm -hmm. he said there was like this nagging voice in his head making him just feel so ashamed and so bad about it and stuff. And the voice was kind of like, well, what would people say? Will people Mm -hmm. approve of this? Will they disapprove? And he said he had to really give himself a talking and say listen are you gonna live the rest of your life this way looking for people's approval or disapproval you know Mm -hmm. in fear of what quote people will say and who are these people so he said he went back to lifetime and he said you know what I'm coming I'm gonna do the show I refuse to live in fear and shame Mm -hmm. and so he said he went on the show has finished taping or whatever the season ended hasn't aired yet but he Mm -hmm. said that you know he felt like he made the right decision. He says something very powerful happened during the show that we'll see play out. But he said basically he was really able to use like his trials and his tribulations to help a couple like successfully sort through issues they were having maybe kind of going through things that were similar to what he had experienced and he felt that what he'd gone through really allowed him to advise them so he said you know a lot of times that voice in our head is our worst enemy it tries to kind of out talk what God's trying to tell us and drown him out Mm -hmm. but he said he was proud of himself he said maybe I thought I could live my life and be perfect and not have any failures putting that pressure on myself he said but he said you know what now I'm just gonna live in my truth and I'm going to use what I've learned about love and relationships and marriage to help someone else. You know, even if I wasn't mm-hmm. able to help myself, if I can help somebody else, I'm here for it. So yeah, mm. that's it. So he's going to be joining the cast and stuff. Um, <laughs> so that should be an interesting Um, um mm. Yeah. Yeah, I so. just laugh because
0: I mean, ain't no, I mean, you know, I've watched Married at First Sight just about every season. I know that's right? your show, yeah, and that's my show. But I'm laughing because I'm like, bruh I don't think you're gonna be able to help because it's it has been a it's been a like a train wreck ever since. Oh my god! Like, like, like the first season was kind of like, oh okay, <laughs> and then it was it just got progressively worse and worse. Oh my, so I'm Like, how are you like help? It's just a
1: mess. The show, or it's just a bad the, show. The
0: show about. is a mess, and they're not doing a good job of picking oh, people wow. to like be matched with people. I think okay. they're doing a terrible job. I think I think love is blind is a little bit better than than Similar them. Similar
2: premise, right?
0: Similar premise, you know, but you know, you, you're talking to the people, you don't see them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's just it's just so weird. I I, if I was if I was there and I walked in and I saw David Franklin I'd be like, um, how are you supposed to help me, sir? I know, (laughs) right? But in reality, as a person who's been divorced, I know that somebody who's divorced can still kind of minister to you and still like have really good advice and stuff like that. I would love
1: it if they were divorced and then happily and successfully remarried, so I can hear from them. Okay, this is what went wrong in my marriage. I was this. I was too this. Mm -hmm. I that, Mm -hmm. and my partner this, and we didn't work and we didn't communicate. And now in this marriage I did things differently and it's going on mm-hmm. 20 years. So obviously mm-hmm. that's a wonderful thing. So. See, that's why that's him and Megan good.
0: Megan shouldn't have wrote that dang book. They weren't married that's long true. enough to be trying to write a book about what marriage I'm and stuff. I'm like, uh-uh, but you know, I mean I, I, I you know, who knows what perspective he may bring? He may bring some, a younger fresher perspective, you know, maybe I he guess. can help, you know, yeah, put yeah, the putting the people together better because I just feel like they do a terrible job of Merci. putting the people together. Because after that whole Chris, um, page or whatever debacle, oh my god, I, I was like I, I I don't know if I can watch this anymore. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> and I, I don't think I have watched it since then because I mm-hmm. was like I feel like they just do black women, a, a, you know, a total disservice on yeah. that show. But yeah. and, you know, it's only been one really, really. I think it's two really, really happy. A successful black couples that have, have been mm. great on there, but you mm. know, anyway, child.
2: So we'll see. I
1: might watch though, I, I, he might get me to watch now. Mm. Well, so yeah, he might open up the audience and diversify it. And, I think you know, so. Yeah, He's some younger viewers and all that stuff. Yeah, see what he has to say or whatever. Mm-hmm. 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 So, that will be interesting. Check that out on the latest. I think that's up season seven of Married at First Sight. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, finally, to end on a happier note. Um, we talked about Shawnee O'Neal and Pastor Keon being engaged and Mm -hmm. how they might be filming the wedding for a VH1 special. But yeah, they tied the knot. So they're officially married. Um, They got got married on a tropical island this past Saturday. And it Mm -hmm. was in Anguilla. So, Mm, nice little intimate ceremony. It was a little outdoor ceremony on a golf course. Um, Mm -hmm. Yolanda Adams sang. She was there as Shawnee walked down the aisle. And her three sons walked her down the aisle to her husband-to-be. And so, during wedding planning, Shawnee lost her dad. She lost her dad over the winter. So, Mm. she said that was really, really tough because, you know, Mm -hmm. she really wanted him, obviously, to stand beside her walk down the aisle with her so she said she really struggled with how she was going to get down the aisle you know she just said losing her dad in the middle of everything just was a lot so she said that she decided to have not one but all three of her sons kind of hand her off um Aww. yeah so all five of her children were at the wedding to support mm-hmm. her and um you know she's just like really happy she has her five children And Pastor Henderson has one child from a previous marriage. He actually kind of just finalized that divorce. Um, So hopefully that's over, over. (laughs) Okay. I mean, otherwise he finalized his divorce a few months, like like maybe under a year ago. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, so T.D. Jakes officiated the nuptials. Um, And yeah, they had, of course, celebrity friends there and celebrity performances and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. it was a small ceremony but um, the Isley Brothers performed live and stuff. Small but sounds expensive child. Oh yes yes, yes. (laughs) but she's got that basketball wife's coin and Mm -hmm. that that shack support or whatever Mm spinderella took over the dj duties for the after party and it just Mm -hmm. sounds like it was like a really really good time her only basketball wise friends who were there were um jackie chrissy christy and um evelyn luzada and stuff okay
2: yeah
1: so it sounds like it was a pretty pretty wonderful ceremony and i'm looking forward to seeing it play out on her wedding special that should be featured on vh1 soon so it wow. be exciting. she said for the, her and her husband, we just want to build a legacy together. So she said the next chapter for her is all about growing, evolving, and becoming. And we so are she here just for gonna that. Be a, so growing, just gonna be evolving, a, and becoming, child. So she's
0: just going to be a first lady now. Yes, that's
1: it. And I <laughs> think she's a good job. You know, she's always carried herself in a classy way, even yeah. as ratchet as basketball wives would get. She was very strategic with not mm-hmm. ever getting herself involved in that oh, not yeah. going back and forth cursing and yelling, mm-hmm. even when she was in a disagreement, she always kind of kept it dignified and classy because, you know, mm-hmm. she was in that role of executive producer slash castmate, which people always kind of found to be a conflict of interest. But I felt like she managed it OK. Mm-hmm. Like I said, never got caught up in anything. She just knew how yeah. to separate herself from it. So yeah, Yeah. I'm looking forward. That's a lot a lot to be a first lady. It's a lot of pressure, but I think she's up there. it. It is. Yeah, she'll she'll be
0: fine. She'll be Mm -hmm. fine. She's very she's very like you said, put together and 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 really you know. Mm -hmm. And she seems like she's a pretty uh not religious. I I I didn't think like she was over religious, but who knows? You know, I don't know. Yeah,
1: I guess she was always spiritual. And then when you Mm -hmm. marry, and I think that's the good thing. A lot of times these pastors they don't have to marry someone from the church as long as you're spiritual Mm -hmm. and can support. I guess that was enough for him. So I guess I, I
0: guess that didn't work for Devin Franklin, but you apparently
1: know. not. <laughs> apparently not. And you know, Megan brought a different young energy, and yeah, you know, yeah. and Shawnee's more subtle and doesn't have to have the cleavage on the red carpet and all that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with
2: that, but I right. think maybe
1: Shawnee being a woman of a certain age, because she's age, probably, what, yeah. early fifties. You know, she's, she's late lived her 40, life, somebody. she's yeah, had her yeah. mm-hmm. Or maybe late 40s, I don't, I assume yeah, late 50s, because her and Evelyn are like in that same age range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, Megan still wants to have fun and be young and, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't know, I guess we really don't know. Maybe at some point her, maybe one of them are going to talk, it's probably not going to be Devin. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: anyway. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> I oh don't gosh. think so. Yeah, he's not going to talk. No, 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 no. Annie he over who? there
0: crying and taking pictures of himself crying and praying on Mercy. Instagram. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, all it's going to make me do is just tune into uh, Married at First. Night. I
1: know that. Oh, well. <laughs> But we wish Shawnee the best. We do. Yeah, I'm excited for her. I like, there's love after divorce and Mm -hmm. and long-term relationships. There's love with multiple, you know, with multiple children. And there's Mm -hmm. love in your late 40s slash early 50s, whatever age she is. Yeah, she's 47. uh, Inspirational. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's 47. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I feel like it gives women hope. and, And that's what, you know, it's inspiring. So... Yeah, for her. I'm sure it that's doesn't awesome. hurt that she's probably you know millionaire or whatever. Even, but does he does I he have a coin? Does he have? Money? I don't know if he's a pastor of a mega church or a small little kind of you know mm. chap, I don't know. But okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like <laughs> things, but I'm, not, I'm not a guy in the limelight.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not in that life either, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. So That's about it. Mm. Okay, then you, can All right for these hot topics. <laughs> all right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our interview this week with my good friend and representing for our AAPI interview of the month. It is Fortune Wayland. So, you all stay tuned and we'll be right back with the interview. All right, you all, we are back. And the interview this week is really special to me. It's my really, really good friend, Fortune Wayland. She is a Filipino-Canadian writer that lives in the Rocky Mountains. A mom, a yoga enthusiast, a hockey uh, head. uh, I think they call them chippy chicks (laughs) who love hockey. And um, she is also married, and she is a wonderful, wonderful romance writer. We're going to talk about her debut novel, uh, Stuck With You, uh, which is part of her Dorses of Conception Bay series with Thule. And her upcoming second book in the series, One Night With You, um, that's going to be coming out July 26th. So you all stay tuned and listen to my uh, interview with my good friend, Fortune Whalen for the close of AAPI month. (laughs) hi everyone and welcome to uh our final interview for the month for romance in color our writing in color series for season three um we're ending our series this week and month with my good friend fortune whalen of in um celebration of aapi heritage month so um first of all hi fortune how are you
3: Hi, um, I'm doing really well today. It's a beautiful day awesome, for June. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Awesome, awesome. No snow in Canada.
3: Uh, there's still snow in the mountains. I live in the mountains, so it's still um a little bit cold. Um <laughs> I I think everywhere else is having a heat wave and it's about I don't know, like 15 degrees here when it's hot. And I think that's oh like gosh. six. Yeah, it's not that very it's not very warm. That's Celsius though, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. I think that's something like um like 60 degrees or something maybe
0: yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah. I I, if I I can remember my conversions
0: and stuff but anyway (laughs) (laughs) anyway so again we're here with Fortune Wayland we're going to be talking about her debut novel Stuck With You as well as her other novels upcoming in the Dorsey's of Conception Bay series with Thule but before that we're going to talk about how you got started writing romance and, you know, what is the inspiration for you with starting romance? So every question I ask everybody, every interview, first question is, uh, when did you fall in love with romance and romance novels?
3: Oh, God, I love just, I'm so, I watch so many movies and I don't know about you, but like my ones that I love, I just watch over and over and over again, and I've been doing this um, as long as I can remember.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, like Titanic isn't a romance movie, but I I don't even know how many times I watched that one just because of the um, you know Rose and Jack falling in love. Yeah. Um, same with the Notebook, and like it's just I'm. It's the whole genre of it, the whole like you know, yeah, um, just the idea of falling in love and like how it makes you feel and how. Um, it's just, it's so, it's, everything is new and everything is beautiful. And it doesn't matter what's happening around you. Everything like in your little Uh, bubble is perfect. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And every time I pick up a romance novel, um, because I'm old and jaded, uh, (laughs) it's just, it feels like that again for me. Like I, you know, I've been married for over 10 years. Um, Uh I've been with my partner for like over 12 years. Um, Uh so you know, I don't, um, you know, you don't get the, that, like, the butterflies of falling in love anymore. Right. Um, But, you know, when you pick up a romance novel, or you watch a movie, and you're like, oh, yeah, like, I remember that. And I love that. And I think most people do. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's, like, the reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what do you think was the very first romance novel that you ever read?
3: Um, Oh, I can tell you. Well, sorry, I don't remember what it was called. Um, but it was definitely a Daniel Steele novel. Uh-huh. Um, I went to go, yeah, I was a little kid. I was pretty I was pretty young. And then we had gone to go visit my god sister. And my god sister was much older than me. And she was like, the entire world and everything she did was like, I just wanted to copy. And right. she'd gotten into reading um, Daniel Steele novels. And she was like, oh, you know, she recommended one to me. She gave it to me. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, mm-hmm. Because, no, like, I was pretty little. Like, I was maybe like nine or
2: something. Oh, my <laughs> God. Was, like, Daniel yeah.
3: Steele <laughs> Well, no, I don't think I actually read it, but I'm pretty sure like I kept it and like treasured it forever. Like, uh, Uh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dying reading Daniel still, all the scandalous drama. (laughs) I love drama.
0: I know, I know. (laughs) 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 So let's talk about when you decided you wanted to not only just be a reader and consumer of romance, but also producer and creative and writer of romance so when when did you take the like leap from i'm just gonna be a fan of romance to i'm going to actually write romance what was kind of the impetus for you to like start your writing career
3: um well i felt like i was dying so i -hmm. lived in um not like really like i felt like i was dying on the inside um okay (laughs) you know what i mean like uh i was you know, living in the suburbs, in um, just outside of like a really big city, mm. and we um, lived there for like seven years already. And you know, we had the big house and the big yard. And I had a baby, and I just like felt like there's nothing. I was like, "Is this it?" Like, I just, I couldn't. It just couldn't be it. Like, this couldn't right. be it for the rest of my life. Right. You know. Um, so, luckily, um, my family is always okay with my nutty ideas we put our house up on the market and we moved to a small town in the mountains um and then once we got settled in a couple months I was like okay this is it I'm gonna start writing and um there's a like about 30 kilometers away there's um like a school called the BAM Center Mm -hmm. for Arts and Creativity um and I first started um trying to write and um kind of you know, find, um, I didn't really know what I was going to write. I just knew that I wanted to write. I knew I was a good writer, but there yeah. weren't much, like there was a form. There was like my voice that existed, but I was like, Oh, maybe I have to take a course. Maybe I have to, um, do my MFA. Maybe I have to, um, mm-hmm. you know, get accepted into a program. And I did get accepted into a residency in France before COVID. Um, mm-hmm. but the idea to write romance, <laughs> I don't think it's as romantic as like it might seem. Um, So where I live in this little town, there's about, I don't know, 15,000 people Uh um, and over a hundred published writers. And that's just writers, not even uh, like, not even artists, not even like painters or filmmakers. That's like, it's, it's a very, um, yeah, like it's a different kind of little place to live so it's like an artist hub in a
0: way like a a place for creatives to just kind of like come and just like really really like just express themselves and like really really like you know fully immerse themselves in their art like I don't know if you're familiar with like places in the U.S. but the only place I can think of that's close to that um, will probably be like a Asheville, North Carolina. I don't know if you know where that is,
3: but yeah. So, at, you know, it's really funny is that in my last book, I was doing some research on, um, like schoolies and people who live uh-huh. in bands, um, uh-huh. and Asheville actually came up, up quite a bit, um, as a place where people do that. Uh-huh. So, um, I've never been to Asheville and I would probably say like, in terms of, it's probably similar, but yeah. it's not as hippie yeah. as like you would think. Like yeah. it's um. Yeah, Asheville's pretty hippie. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like it's not it's, it's not that hippie. There's like it's a weird town because it's um, a tourist town, so there's lots of um, people that have lots of money and big houses, and then there's like people who live in right. Um and then they just kind of converge. I, I like I'm not sure why the art converged here, um, but it's it's a neat thing, um, right. and because I had this resource, it's like. Be having access to um authors mm-hmm. is, is a huge resource and um mm-hmm. i was working at the library and one of my co-workers her best friend actually is a big romance writer who lived in town and she um had written already published for the big five so she's written harlequin penguin wow. um yeah and i had you know she kept saying you should go talk to her and i was like well i don't know i don't want to just like talk to her and be like hey you know and they tell me everything you know about publishing <laughs> um but then there was an article in the paper about her where she did talk about it and i was like okay you know what i'll just dm her and see what she says um, right so i did and i said hey i'm fortune i'm uh i know your friend this person tricks with me da, 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 da. and um to my surprise she said yes uh-huh. um what's it called and like we're really good friends now it's been a few years um but she i learned so much In that we went for coffee, and I think I learned more about publishing in like those two hours than I had on my own up until that point. Mm.
2: Um, And she,
3: yeah, and so she actually turned me to writing um, in writing romance um, as not even as like a romantic thing, but as a way to make money. Like that was the reason she did it um, because ten years ago or fifteen years ago, when she started writing. Harlequin had the same kind of thing that they do now where they had the submittable. These are, this is exactly what we're looking for. If you can write this. Right. Um, Yeah. So they've always been that kind of like call to action uh, publisher, always looking for new people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I said, and she was like, so if you want to break into publishing, this is the way to do it. Right. Yeah. So that's what I did. And she taught me everything she knew. Um, Yeah. And like I said, we're still really good friends now
0: it's amazing that you had like this, like was able to form this kind of one-on-one relationship with someone that was so, first of all, in your town and so accessible and, you know, you're able to just kind of like, you know, pick their brain and really get insight into the industry. I think that's something that you, you know, a lot of us who are starting out, you know, we don't always have that, you know, kind of built-in ready-made network of folks that we can reach out to and you know you have to go online you got to go to twitter you got to go to you know different groups so Mm -hmm. on and so forth and I think for especially for a lot of writers I know for me I'm shy and I don't want to (laughs) like I don't want to like reach out to people I'm like I'm probably bugging them you know but Mm -hmm. it's cool that like when you reach out she was so open and 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 honest and really you know willing to share and not gatekeep what she do about publishing in the publishing industry which made you basically have a leg up
3: on a lot of things so that's awesome it did um and the thing was like she was all so she was already into that like she didn't like the gatekeeping mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. kind of aspect of things so she was mm-hmm. like this is everything i know
2: um mm-hmm.
0: you know
3: go do something with it <laughs> go do something
0: yeah and right? did something with it i mean look at you now like you got like almost three books under your belt so that's, what, that's what's up so you 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 did something <laughs> <laughs> so okay so let's talk about writing and this first book that you have out now is the first book that you have out in the series uh stuck with you is that the very first manuscript you ever wrote or is it the very first manuscript that you felt like okay I think I have something here worthy to be like sent out into the world and, and queried and published?
3: Um, No, it definitely wasn't um, the first manuscript I wrote. I have a whole graveyard of them. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the thing is, like, I don't, um, my, like, the whole idea of outlining um, and kind of plotting and craft is very, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really um, intrinsic and Mm -hmm. intuitive in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, I've read a lot of books I've read, um, like I understand story structure kind of like, right um, so intrinsically that to articulate it out loud, um, in a way that's not the form feels yeah. really unnatural and clunky to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will just write. Um,
2: yeah.
3: and it's not that I had never done an outline. Like I remember like did, I was in school and in university, um, but I just think that it's so ingrained in my process already as a writer that Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's easier for me just to go straight into the thing. So Um, so you're definitely not a a plotter.
0: You're definitely more of a pencil type of of writer.
3: Yeah. I like to say discovery writer (laughs) because... uh, Let the writing lead you. (laughs) Yeah. um, And so, you know, my first drafts are often pretty messy, um, Mm -hmm. but it's easier to fix something messy than to have nothing at all i think that's that's true that's really really true Um, because if you have nothing down on paper there's nothing to fix and also um like i said my brain kind of just goes all over the place so if i have if i don't have something that's already has a structure like a beginning and middle and end Mm. um if i just keep like tooling with it i'll tool with it forever and i'll never ever finish do you know what i mean i'll never get to the end so right um but this book no um this book I'm scared to say this but I pitched the book and there wasn't a manuscript attached to it um I had spent I'd learned how to pitch um and I spent like two weeks preparing just the pitch for this mm-hmm. specific pitch event um <clears throat> and with that like within seconds I guess of it pitching I already I got likes on it from right. editors yeah right and I think I because um, it was for Karina Pitch, and I'd actually gotten um, quite a few likes from the editors. I ended up going with Kate
2: mm-hmm. um,
3: to begin with, and she'd given me the original um, feedback on the synopsis or on the first three chapters, which are very center I can't remember the first 10,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was my first experience with an editor, and I'm really grateful that she was because she's quite um, gentle. <laughs> but she's still able to tease out um, editors have a superpower where they can take what you've written and right. articulate it back to you and help you like um and help you kind of fully visualize what it what it is like that you're trying to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so that's why I always feel like writing is a very um collaborative process, right? Because for right. me, like when I'm writing, I'm so inside, it's hard. To see it on the outside, right, right. And editors, like you said, editors have that gift of like really
0: honing in on what it is that you need to improve in a way that's like because you're so attached to the work, you know what I mean? Like, like you, you can't. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Um, and then you're just kind of like, oh God, I don't want to change that. But then they'll, you know, and a good, a great editor will be like, oh no, but see if you change here, it'll do this, it'll do that. It'll make it sound this way. And then you're like, oh, okay. You just kind of start to come around to the suggestions that they make and stuff like that. Um, so to kind of back up Mm -hmm. and talk about you personally and things that you're interested in. I know these things about you, but of course, because we're friends, but mm-hmm. I want people to know why this concept, the Dorsey's of Conception Bay concept and how that kind of came to you as a person that is like really into hockey <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, so much so that, um, you know, you even have a a podcast, with other writer friends about hockey and that there is a huge like genre of like, you know, we have sports, sports romances, but there's also like a huge genre of hockey romances that are out there. So tell me how, how this kind of idea came to you about, you know, I want to write a hockey romance. I want to, I want to incorporate my love of hockey um, into romance.
3: Again, I don't think it's as romantic as that. The, uh, I, mm-hmm. I like. I grew up in Canada, so mm-hmm. um, there's like every uh, guy that you ever date in, you know, junior high, elementary,
2: mm-hmm. um,
3: especially are all they all play hockey. That's just like, right. you know, it would be like um, I think in the states, like it would be basketball. Like everybody who dates a basketball player or football, um, yeah, or a football yeah. player, right? Yeah. So it's just um, it was. I think it's more of access than anything. Yeah. Like yeah. I guess you know somebody in Europe would be writing about soccer players or yeah yeah, true.
0: yeah
2: true. Or
3: rugby players in um, Australia mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: yeah it's more of um yeah it's definitely more of an access thing and um I know I didn't set it in Canada I set it in the Pacific Northwest um, right. just because it's uh just because of the audience um mm-hmm. and it's a little bit more like um you know the west coast of Canada but I mm-hmm. did so the but the name Conception Bay I. Borrowed it. It. Conception Bay is um, a place in Newfoundland, which is a Canadian place. So I did mm-hmm. add some like Canadian. I did add some Canadian, um you know, like drop droplets in there, even though it was yeah, in Canada, yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: your well, your your main character in the book in the in your first book, Lena, you know, she is from Canada, and so she's like trying to start her new life in Seattle. I'm not. I'm not from. I've never visited but like west coast at all i've never visited canada even though my husband mm-hmm. has family in canada and i keep trying to convince him to move but he won't listen <laughs> but um
3: <laughs> where but, is his family um, they're
0: they're all over canada toronto right. alberta um vancouver uh victoria mm-hmm. um they're all when i say all over canada edmonton all over canada oh, he probably doesn't like the cold weather. He does anywhere.
2: He doesn't. No he doesn't, he, doesn't, he does not want to nice be the cold.
0: Hollywood. Yeah, he does not want to be in the cold. But that's a that's a story, for day. <laughs> <laughs> a story for another day. But I mean, as as a person, I say that to say, as a person who's never been there, mm-hmm. I feel like you painted a really good picture of it. Um, you know, the weather, the scenery, the you know things. Like you say, you dropped little hints, you know, Canada in there. I think you mentioned like a Tim Hortons or something like that. Like I mean, there were like little things in there that I was like, oh okay, this is this feels. I I mean, I don't know anything about Canada. I don't know anything about the Southwest. I know Seattle has Starbucks, so I mean, (laughs) and Microsoft, (laughs) but I don't know anything else. Yeah. So you know, I really feel like you painted a picture of what life in like the Pacific Northwest is kind of like. Um, so I was like oh, I don't know I know I feel like I, I got a good you know idea of what it's like so your your process for writing this first book um, you say you're more of a you know discovery writer I'm not gonna say
2: parents you know,
0: <laughs> discovery writer so mm-hmm. you know what did you want this story to you know convey because I, I mean this is like I said, you are a, we forgot to mention a Filipino Canadian writer. Mm -hmm. Um, What about you and your experience as an Asian writer, woman in Canada, um, or just the experience of being an Asian woman? Did you want to convey in your writing or overall storytelling, particularly with this first book?
3: I think, um, so I didn't really see it at the time, but, you know, after you reread your manuscript and you kind of just try to pretend like you um, did it on purpose and you meant to say these (laughs) things the whole time. Um, But like, you know, like Lena is a very, um, what's it called? She didn't want to be a burden on her family. So she kind of, you know, stepped back, um, tried to do everything herself, even though she was really young. She didn't ask for help. right? Um, And I find that's a very um, kind of, like I don't want to like you know somebody who's as a first generation Canadian Mm -hmm. um somebody who doesn't want yeah they don't want to like your parents already like I remember all the things my mom did when I was a kid Mm -hmm. like being a single mom and raising two kids
2: Mm -hmm. and
3: um moving across the world when you're 19 years old like Mm. nothing like literally nothing I could say or do was as bad as that. Not as bad right. or as frightening, or right. um, you know, as courageous to um, that. And even my mom today, she's not very like she. She like she has feelings now. Like I can see she has feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when I was a little kid, like I just feel like um, you know she didn't have time to be upset or sad or yeah, um, yeah, any you know, of those things. Yeah, yeah.
0: She was too busy trying to hustle and work and and, and provide for you and stuff. I think that's all parents, you know, particularly. You know, parents of color. Like we don't we don't as in our and kids, we just don't see them in the hard work they're doing. We just think, oh, they're being neglectful. <laughs> or they're yeah. not being you know, they're not opening up to us and we're not really seeing that they're hustling and trying to provide and do yeah. all these things for us. So, okay, stuck with you. We'll we'll dig into that now. So mm-hmm. okay, I first of all I've you know because Fortune and I are in the same writing group. I've seen iterations of this this book. So when I got to read the full thing, I was just like, Oh wow, she really wrote a whole, <laughs> <She> <laughs> really wrote a whole book and it came all the way together. Um and it was so good. Um, but the character of Lena and Clark, and how about I'm so slow, Fortune, that I realized his name is Clark and then the the car's name is Lois. And I was like you're an idiot but anyway um, <laughs> like clark kent and lois and yeah. he's very tall dark and handsome and his car is lois very mm-hmm. supermanish um and you know i was like you know lena's this fiercely independent woman she doesn't want like you said doesn't want help from anybody she doesn't want to like a burden um not to give away too much of the plot but she's trying to start her life over from a terrible breakup and little does she know that she's being set up to mm-hmm. I don't want to give away the
2: plot, but you know,
0: <laughs> set up in a way to find happiness, and so is Clark. I put it that way. Um, so there's a lot of forced proximity thing going on here. Um, and so I'm gonna say this I love the book, but my only gripe with you is Lena, you should have saved that ring and pawned it, girl, and got the money. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but you know she couldn't have. She I mean, doesn't yeah, want... yeah.
0: like, oh, I just couldn't do that. I don't want to be seen as a golden. I was like, girl, he cheated on you, girl. Go go get these coins.
2: But I get why <laughs> she
0: didn't want to do it. See yeah. see me in real life would be like, I'm keeping this ring and I'm going to get some coins. She's like, Well, if it was cheap, I would, you know, it was under a certain price, I would do it. But, you know, it was like six figures. No, I'm like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Like you sold your house, girl. Okay, let me stop. Let me stop. Because I want give... oh, to Let me stop. Let me
3: stop. <laughs> well, I really so, like. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, like uh, after I got the paperback books of it back, I hadn't read it in so long, I was a little bit like scared to read it I just mm. I didn't know I didn't know if it was gonna be any good. Mm. Um, but then I had to start pulling quotes from it for to do promo. Yeah, um, yeah so I ended up reading I read it it's kind of funny because I read it in bits so I was like reading I read the last like four chapters and then I had to go back yeah. and then I was like you know it was like pleasantly surprised I was like oh this is a good book <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you've had I mean and and for this to be for that book to be your debut you've had such amazing reception you know for you know write-ups and Publishers weekly and all this I was mm-hmm. like oh look at my friend like how, how she's like amazing in doing all this stuff and like how have you managed to like keep your head on straight and balance all of this the writing the the promo and everything with your own personal life You your mom your wife partner of, of many years how are you able to balance all this and and writing what's like a typical writing schedule like day look like for you
3: um I well usually I wake up early, so um, mm-hmm. I've been so I wake up around five in the morning, um, and I because I like it quiet. Um, like my daughter sleeps until seven thirty. My husband's already getting ready for work. Like nobody's um, talking to me. I can just sit at my computer and write. and I don't have to like answer emails. Um, so I will take a couple hours. Well, usually like an hour to write, and then I'll take an hour to you know do yoga or just like to get myself ready for the day um and then I take my to school um and when I come back I've got my write-in with um word makers so that's always dedicated work time from um 9 to 11 my time so we do sprints um and if that's if by 11 a.m all that's mm-hmm. all writing I get done for the day I'm pretty happy with it okay um okay. yeah I do have like um I do have like set goals so you know, I need to get this done for the week or, um, you know, I've got a deadline coming up. But there's pretty loose goals, um, like in terms of, I try to get a newsletter out once a month. If it doesn't get out, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Um, but because I have Chippy Chicks once a month, once, you know, when I'm doing um, promo for Chippy Chicks, I can usually uh, put stuff into the newsletter because we already know we're talking about things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The things that kind of get put on the back burner are like new projects. So I'm always, um, so priority is always number one, um, the project I'm getting paid for. Right. Um, and then, um, anything I'm contracted for, right. which is, um, for my own work. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 And so throughout this whole process of, um, getting your book contract with Thule and, you know, finding community and mentorships and things like that. What are, do you think are some common traps for like aspiring writers or some things that you encountered that you were like, okay, I really should have avoided doing that in this whole process of, you know, getting published or, you know, know, any of
3: the process of writing or anything like that. Um the biggest trap is uh the shiny, shiny things. Mm. So <laughs> mm. um but that being said, so I when I'm writing, you know, something to get bored or you just need a break. Um right. and Harlequin, they used to do um like last year or the year before, they had a whole bunch of um kind of like call-outs, like send us three chapters um, because they're looking for new writers. Uh, and they also used to run, um, kind of like a monthly, um, thing. It was like, write a paragraph on this topic. They don't do it anymore, um, but I would use those, um, I would would use those to kind of practice doing things. And I I don't want to say that, like, you know, don't get trapped in it, but so one thing I did learn was I, I'm really, really good at submissions, like query letters, synopsis, um, the first three chapters, I can like, I'm chef's kiss on it um but that being said finish it's like it's just one book at a time just whatever you're doing finish that one book so you don't Mm -hmm. have like ten thousand things on your table right um and then not having any of them go through do you know what i mean like just just i know it sucks to just like want to finish one book at a time because you would think you should be faster Mm -hmm. but if you can give your attention to this one book then it's done and then give your attention to the next book and then it's done do you know what i mean and then yeah it's yeah Yep.
0: Yeah, I have that problem. Like I have like five different projects going on, knowing I should just really concentrate on one thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. That's a good um lesson to be learned. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, and you really are good at, at the at the querying letters and all that because Lord Lord knows mine were a mess and fortune help me. Fortunately, they were a mess. <laughs> yes they were stop stop telling the people people's stories anyway <laughs> um so how did this whole process of publishing your first book kind of change a perspective on the whole publishing process like did you come into it with one idea and leave with another or is it still ever
3: you know evolving um so I think the biggest lesson I learned uh was not to just to just not fight my own process Mm-hmm. um because every book is different every writer is different um and I spend you know I spend so much time trying to become more a more efficient writer right um as opposed to just and that like being if you don't like just not trusting yourself you just it makes the process longer because you're just fighting right. yourself instead of just trying to um just trust yourself, really, like trusting yourself is um, and it's okay if the first draft is shit because you're gonna have to edit anyway right yeah, right like you you're gonna have to edit it doesn't matter like right, right. Um, yeah, so right. just have fun with the first draft, have fun mm-hmm. with the way you write it, um, and then once you have something to kind of like once you have something in front of you to um, read and just go, oh, this is what I was trying to say. Um, And you can be more purposeful about the editing process. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and editing is I find it it's uh I'm still getting my head around it, but um again, just trust your process. Like I see some writers, um, and they can actually go through and be like, this needs to happen here, this needs to happen here, and they have like lists and notes, and I was just like, I just just do it, just like my first draft. (laughs) I just go in and do it. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Just don't. Yeah. yeah. Just don't fight yourself. That's I. That's the biggest thing. Is all. yeah. But also, like, be humble enough to know when you can improve for sure.
0: Right. Right. I think. Oh man, that was a big one. Be like being humble about stuff because, I, if you come into it cocky, like, oh, this is perfect. I not need changing. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm great. Like even the even the most successful writers in the world go through editing and changes and and things like that so yeah definitely have like some level of humility about the whole editing process is would take you a super super long way yeah like i don't i don't see how people can go into it like oh it's fine it's just like what do you mean like i need to change this i think that's a that's a big mistake i think a lot of new new writers make (laughs) when they especially when they're trying to you know if you're trying to get you know traditionally published that's something that, you know, a lot of new writers, like, really, really, you know, hone in on sometimes and get caught up in the, oh, but I wrote this. It's supposed to sound this way instead of seeing hey, it could sound better this way, you know?
3: Yeah, or you can convey your meaning in a more meaningful, like, it can be um, articulated yes. in a way that more people understand. Right, right, yeah. right, right
0: so you talked a little about process and i want to go back to that so in your own writing process and i know you said again discovery process and in that process of discovery as you write what what about those times when you're kind of stuck and you're in the weeds and you don't know where to go or you have like a writer's block like how do you kind of get out of that when you're like in your process in your process of writing and you're like yo i don't know where to go what to do here like, how do you kind of get out of that and then get back to writing cohesively?
3: Um, so I will go back and to some, if something, if I'm stuck, it's because I made a wrong turn somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be either plot-wise or like character-wise. So um, the best thing I can do is kind of go back to the character. Like, I'll go back a little bit and just, you know, um, think about why um this character made this choice and if it was the right choice for that character in that moment
2: mm-hmm.
3: um because a lot of um because sometimes if you get stuck it's because somebody made a choice that they normally wouldn't have made as a person, right. like if they weren't ready to make it or whatever do you know what mm-hmm. I mean um and also what's it called or I can go back and fill stuff in so maybe it was the right choice for them but we as um readers don't understand what the choice is so i to you know go Mm -hmm. back and kind of fill in some things like start Mm -hmm. to fill in parts where um they might have thought about this earlier but you know couldn't pull the trigger on it or Mm -hmm. um, yeah um i'm not usually it's not usually in the writing where i'm stuck it'll always be like at the beginning where Mm -hmm. like the first 50 pages of any um anything I write is it's the hardest for me. And it takes, yeah. it, but I'm still kind of like feeling out the characters and like what's happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, I was like, what's the hardest part in, in the writing process. So it's like the first 50 is like the hardest part for you to write.
3: Yeah. Mm,
0: mm. Cause I, why is that using thing? Because you have to hook people into wanting to read more or, or is it like you're just still trying to figure out where you're going to go with, with the writing?
3: I'm just still trying to get to know know the story, like getting to know who the characters are and what they want and what they're doing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit slower. But once you know you hit that, oh, this is what's happening, then it's a little bit quicker.
0: So, what was something like? I don't want to again. I don't want to give away the plot because I want people to go buy the books. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But what was the hardest scene? Or you can just speak in general terms. You don't have to be specific, but what were some of the most difficult scenes to write? Like, is it the third act breakup? Is it the sex scenes? Is it, you know, just dialogue? What are some of the hardest things for you?
3: To um, okay. Trying to, um, for this particular book, it was kind of like a baseball scene. So to have somebody be interested in like the action without boring them, which is kind of a funny thing. right? Um, but I did get, um, you know, a lot of feedback from readers that it was like it was like a sports book, but not a sports book. So it was like it like it actually um, satisfied um, a lot of people that normally wouldn't read a sports book, but also yeah. satisfied people who do read sports books. Uh,
2: so yeah. I thought it yeah. was a good um,
3: mix.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I mean, the- yeah. yeah I, I get that because sports are at the heart of of it because all the a lot of the characters in the book. Love sports lena loves softball and her ex was a baseball player and then clark is a hockey retired hockey player um so like sports are important to the characters but it's not like we're being hit over the head with like mad sports terms or terminology yeah. and jargon or like there's this long scene about you know what's happening in a hockey game for example I'm not saying it's what's in the book I'm just saying there there isn't anything to like basically hit you over the head and say this is a sports book mm-hmm. um but it's a I definitely think it's a romance with sports like you said with sports elements not a sports romance mm-hmm. if that makes
2: sense, <laughs> if yeah. That makes sense.
3: but um, yeah 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 but I'm glad I'm glad that you know like it hit readers of both um yeah 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 and nice. i think i
0: think men would like it too because you know again it does have sports in it and mm-hmm. you talk about things in a way that i think men would like you know like you know you, you try to talk about the kind of trials and tribulations that somebody may have you know with you know retiring from a sport where sport is like was like their whole life you know Or if you're having a serious injury and, you know, this has changed your whole life, you know, all these things that, you know, I think men are aware of, but don't get into the emotional heart of it. But this book kind of does. So Mm -hmm. I think like, you know, men can relate, could relate to that in a way, you know, the men who read romance books because there are only like 12 of them. (laughs) (laughs)
3: well my husband read so my husband like he reads lots so he reads lots of like graphic novels and he reads with my daughter Uh um or our daughter not my daughter but um (laughs) (laughs) but he read this book and he really liked it um Mm -hmm. and I've got like some of my friends um their husbands are reading it and they really Mm -hmm. like it uh they it's and it's kind of funny to hear like their takes on it um like I had one who was like it'd be great if you know just ended up back with um with Ozzy at the end <laughs> just like just the way they kind of um think about things whenever, uh, you know what I mean yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. so
0: um I, I think I briefly mentioned that Fortune and I met because of you know a writing community and um, how important that has been to us as writers but for you Fortune um for you to speak personally how has like a community of writers or a community a writing community been like helpful to you like you talked a little bit about the mentorship that you had reaching out to somebody in your own like physical community um Mm -hmm. for writing but how has like the greater like writing community um been important to you because you not only had a mentor but you've been a mentor to Mm -hmm. others so Mm -hmm. how important has it been to you and should writers seek like mentorship when they're starting this out uh
3: this is really funny because i just wrote an entire um presentation about the importance of community Mm. (laughs) Uh, i'm presenting it on um sunday to the henderson Writing group but oh nice yeah um so what's it called um you know the for a writer so it, I called my presentation, um, The Importance of Community or How to Save Your Sanity as a Writer. Yeah. Um, because mm. it's like, you need to, like, if you're in any kind of creative field where you're not seeing, um, you know, kind of like a, a financial, like a monetary exchange for your work. Because um, mm. right now, you know, when you work jobs, you get monetary exchange for like your skill level or your... Right. Hours, you know, but there's not that that not doesn't happen in creative fields. Doesn't happen for film. It doesn't happen for um, painting. Doesn't happen for writing. So it's really important that you surround yourself with people who like understand um what that creative process or creative journey entails. You know, like you know, finding every any like moment in a day to write. um You know, second guessing everything that you do, um, mm-hmm. not knowing. You know, um, people who don't understand why you work so hard if you're not getting paid for it do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like yeah and also people to like remind you about the joy of writing um the community is and in, it's incredibly important um and i just wanted to kind of mention that what's it called um you know i, I was just telling you this i was um, kind of writing my wins for the month and um you know like i don't like on the surface you know i look like i have my shit together you know like like yeah. officially it looks like I'm killing it but yeah. Um, yeah but you know like unofficially like I'm a hot mess like I <laughs> take anti yeah like I take anti-anxiety meditation I see a therapist and I regularly I book a lot of massages to get like tension out of my um mm. shoulders but unless mm. like I receive the encouragement and support of like um my writing community especially word makers yeah. um I wouldn't have like their It's their encouragement to be like, you know what, it's slow down. Like you gotta take care of yourself because you can't, um you can't do this for the long haul if you burn out right away. Right.
0: Right.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: Right. Right. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 That's that's important. The burnout. Like how do you Mm -hmm. avoid the burnout? And I think you're right. The how to avoid the burnout is being in community with other writers who are there to kind of, you know, encourage you and lift you up because you're right. You don't see a monetary thing right away. Like it's so slow. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, even if you have a quote unquote New York Times bestseller, you know, reaping the benefits of that is still slow.
2: Um, oh yeah, for
0: sure. People, yeah, people think that the publishing process is fast or they kind of question, why do you want to do it this way? Why don't you do it this way? You know, and not mm-hmm. understanding your reasons why you want to do, do that. Um, or publish this way um for you I know I, I know for us you know we've been surrounded by a mix of folks who do traditional publishing and independent publishing mm-hmm. um what was it that drew you to kind of like going the traditional route versus the independent route
3: um so for me it was um in the beginning. Like, it was really about um, making money. Like, oh, I can sell a book for X number of dollars. Right. um, Which is why, you know, I wanted to go with Quinn. And then um, the more I wrote, so I got to, um, I ended up with Thule and um, what's called, and they, and at the same time, I was kind of querying um, my first three chapters or whatever of this book and um so i received some an offer from tuli and i was kind of went back to some of the agents and i was like oh i've got an offer um and agents were like oh that's great um who's it with you know just being curious and i told them and they said you know that's a great place to start um, as a new writer and if i didn't have that i don't know if i would have Um, but it has been a great place to start they, there's also a huge community of authors at tuli and um we have like a loop where everybody um kind of talks about you know oh have you tried this i have a book bubble. out do you mind boosting my post um and there in that um group of writers there are you know right people have been writing for like 30 years in that group as well wow. um and they are just as willing to share their knowledge um and kind of like reach with the new writers. So that would has been really great. Um, and I also learned things that I wouldn't have learned on my own as, as, as an indie. Like I learned um, because publishing, especially traditional publishing is really um, about marketing, like selling to the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a lot of things I learned like I wouldn't know I wouldn't have known. even though I work at a library I wouldn't have known that like covers have to look a certain way for a certain genre because that's what consumers um, are looking for or um, how to
2: write
3: yeah or write how to write blurbs or how to write hooks and log lines like I've learned so so much Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I wanted to go into traditional publishing again like obviously to make money but also to learn, um, you know, that's the whole same thing with the mentorship process. Mm-hmm. And I've been really, um, like, extremely fortunate to work under Jane and Sinclair um, to kind of guide me along the way. And then our marketing manager is um, a woman named Nikki, and she's been so great about, um, you know, these are blurbs, um, the covers. Like, I've just, I've been able to be involved in every step of the process. Mm-hmm. Um which has been great. And I, you know, they even uh, got me some really great copy editors and proofreaders. Like um, my proofreader for the last, for all my books, she's uh, half Filipino. Mm. And so when she read my second book, she's like, I love this. Are you going to write more? Um, <laughs> so it was really great. Yeah. It's been a great yeah. experience.
0: That's awesome.
3: Like for you to be like
0: surrounded by these folks that are like really lifting you up and supporting you in your journey as a new writer, that's, that's cool. Everybody's not that fortunate. So I just think you fortunate is fortunate. That's so funny. Um but <laughs> everybody's not that fortunate um mm-hmm. to have that, you know, kind of built-in system and, and support system when they're doing their debut. So that's pretty pretty cool. Um so tell us about the second book in the series and when that's coming out and what that's going to be about cuz I kind of told them what the first book was about, stuck stuck with you um. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about the second book and
3: what it's going to be about. So, the second book is called One Night with You. Um, it comes out at the end of next month, July twenty-sixth. Mm. And this book is um. So, the log the of the book is an uptight mayor indulges in a one night stand, only to discover he's the ambitious property developer in charge of the legacy she's sworn to protect. So this, um, so we kind of shift out of Seattle and we go full on into um, Conception Bay. Okay. Um, So Jeremy is the mayor of the town by um, proxy. Her grandmother, her grandmother was the mayor of the town and her grandmother died. Um, And because towns have weird, uh, can have weird kind of archaic laws, um, they were like, okay, so you're going to finish her um, project. So her grandma had like run on this platform and she revitalized their kind of main street and promenade. And Mm -hmm. Jeremy's um, job now is to, like, make sure that that gets seen through to fruition. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's what she wants to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after she's done that, she's, you know, going to pack up her stuff and she's going to move back east uh, to live with her family um, because she has been, she's um, part of, like, a powerful political family. Right. And, yeah, and she's ready or her mom's ready to kind of marry her off. <laughs> um so there's that and then um deacon so deacon is clark's oldest brother okay. and he has so he was kind of charged with um taking care of his brothers when they were young parents kind of just like left them to do their own thing um so when his brothers were old enough to take care of themselves he kind of took off and like um did all of his own you know he just kind of went crazy like um I'm going to date all the girls. I'm going to uh, be the riskiest guy in the world. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. like, just yeah. had to go completely the opposite way. Um, and so the story begins just after Sharmy's um, grandmother's funeral and her mom's like, listen, you're going to get married and um, when you do this. And she's kind of feeling a bit of like out of control of her life. right? Um, so she does kind of like, the one thing that she can do is like a rebel, like a rebellious act. And that's just like have a one night stand. Okay. Um, yeah. So okay. Uh, my favorite scene of this book is her and um, Cameron are in the hotel bar kind of like scoping out uh, potential marks for her. Night, so. <laughs> oh, Which gosh. Have you ever done yeah. that? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs>
0: Like I was twenty-one, so I've never had a one-night stand. Oh, never. Um, I, I'm so boring, I guess. But I've done a lot of things, but not not had a one-night stand. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Dang. Oh well, I missed that opportunity.
3: <laughs> Maybe you just don't remember, because I know a lot of people will be like, you know what? a lot That's of <laughs> a lot of my possible. friends. I've had friends who are like, that didn't count.
0: that is that is that is definitely definitely (laughs) I didn't think about it like that (laughs) so so is this this is going to be a three book series right yeah Mm -hmm. okay and then I'm not I'm not do you want to tease the next book or you say no
3: no um I want well I can just I can tell you the title of it and that is Danny's book and I know everybody loves Danny so much yes messy danny, <laughs> messy
2: danny yeah. Um,
3: yeah so he's the you know he's the piece the resistance of this um, trio yeah. and that book actually that book comes out in October um, mm-hmm. and I want to be I just want to be I'm happy to say that it was accepted by my publisher or by my editor so it's off in Yay. copy edit no, yeah so
2: nice. no no more major changes
3: um, yeah nope, around soon. Awesome. I'm excited for that one awesome so it's going to be yeah. a Christmas book Mm-hmm. it is
0: christmas book yeah. awesome awesome! i love a good christmas book okay so what does um okay we, we you know what let's just skip all the other stuff because i know all this other stuff about fortune so let's go to the like rapid fire questions
2: okay
0: let's do a little rapid fire kind of like in the inside the actor studio where we ask all these questions and you give me like the first answer that pops in your head so um, what was your favorite book as a kid oh god um, The Monster <laughs> at the End of this book that oh count? that's a good one yeah.
3: my daughter loves that book <laughs> so good
0: do you like writing heroes or villains I don't think you really have any villains per se in the
3: book. I don't like Danny's an anti-hero um, yes yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Oz is like a villain. He's not. That's the thing. People are so like more. They're so gray like that. Like you can't. Yeah. Because even Oz, he's just like he's so like nobody likes him, but like you can't not like him.
2: <laughs> right. 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 Right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right. Like even as uh, Charlie, do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like she was. She just. I don't know. I just feel like I've written characters that you can that you know but in real life. So that's yeah. why it's relatable yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah um is it do you like writing love scenes or dramatic arguments
3: oh god i don't like writing either <laughs> i wish everyone's life would just like you stay over there and uh like i'm doing a beta right now where somebody like got, got too close like, and i was just reading on the page and going oh
2: <laughs> like it's <laughs> crazy <laughs>
0: okay we talked about the notebook so what is the best like book to movie adaptation you've seen Oh god um if there is one because you know sometimes we're like no the book is
3: always better no the book isn't always better though
0: See, um, I agree with
2: you.
3: <laughs> it's sometimes not, it's the not, movie is better. Sometimes yeah. movie is better. I can't think of any but like um what's it called? Like but there's so many um and not just romance movies like yeah, yeah, if you think yeah. about like the road like Cormac McCarthy's The Road or like um I'm Legend was really yeah, good. Yeah, um yeah. a lot of the what's it called um like the dc like sin city i thought was really good yes yes. um as a book the Watchmen. yes yeah like
0: yes yes
3: yes. it just depends um and then like i I never watched true
0: blood yeah i was telling somebody like with sci-fi fantasy you need a movie like sometimes you need a movie you need to visually see what happens it's one thing to read it but Mm -hmm. like when they adapt it it's, it's it's always better like I tried to sit and read Dune, and I was like, oh, no, ma'am. Uh-uh. No,
3: that's because Dune is a crappy book.
0: But the but the movie was good. And I'm not yeah. just saying it because Oscar Isaac was in it, but it was good. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, it good. just
2: depends,
3: right? Yes, like, um, there's lots. Like, uh, I think, um, I'm just trying to think. But even things like Game of Thrones, it just depends. Mm-hmm. Like, it depends on forget. the source. It doesn't... It, sorry, it doesn't depend on the source material. It depends on the vision. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, like, the new... And there's some I can't even watch. Like, um, what's it called? There was a Stephen King one out just recently. Okay. I'm not even talking about movies. Oh, and then, can I tell you the worst?
2: What's the worst? It? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. hey. uh,
3: Just only because it made me so mad was that... Um, the one that chris evans did with he was like the lawyer um and it came out last year and i can't remember what it's called but um i read the book and i was like oh this ending is awful i'm like um like it was just the, i was like just left a sour taste in my mouth uh-huh. and then i was like oh but then like you like i said like sometimes the movie is better uh-huh. so i was like i'll just give it a chance so i went and i watched the movie uh-huh. And they made it the ending worse. I was like, What? <gasps> it was already bad. So they made it worse? They made it worse. I was like, yeah. I was so mad. Yeah.
0: Ew. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even I don't I don't other than like Thor, I have no idea what else Chris Evans. Oh, you say Chris Evans? Chris oh, Evans, yeah. Chris yeah, Evans Captain America. America. Captain America, yeah, not Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. I get them all there's like a five million Chris's. Um Okay, there are like five million pieces in like just the Marvel universe alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get them confused, but okay, I don't want to watch that. Being if you said it was bad. Um, your favorite place to write?
3: Um, in bed. In bed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, like I have a desk, and I have a standing desk, and I have the fireplace. Um, mm-hmm. but I do like to write just like in my bed.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, book reviews. Do you read them? or don't read them
3: don't read them they're not for you (laughs) yes i agree (laughs) they're for readers but if you want to be entertained like i saw somebody who got a review it was like a one-star review it was like too much sex it was boring i was like oh i want a too much sex book that's boring (laughs) 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 that sounds amazing like i would love to get a review like that oh my god or they'll they'll
0: clearly read her erotic book and like there's too much sex i'm like ma'am this was erotica
3: yeah but anyway (laughs) i just just saw one somebody was writing a book um we were reading it was like mrs jalloway we were reading somebody's we were reading reviews on Goodreads for mrs Uh jalloway like virginia Woolf. like the woman is like she's been she's passed away she's a literary icon yeah and this is it's what the review was like one star i hate virginia wolf and she was like she doesn't even care <laughs> like, right she doesn't care i she's, she's a, <laughs> she also even when she did care she was like an aristocrat like right she didn't
0: care yeah. <laughs> exactly
3: also i would like you to write a book as like i oh god like writing short i think is just like such is such an art but i don't know if i'll ever ever um be able to master it's just like such an incredible like craft to this Every time I think about the lottery, like any anything like written by Shirley Jackson, or anything yeah. like in the, you know, the hundred pages, like um, like a Joseph Conrad or Virginia Wolf, and I yeah, yeah, yeah. even like, um, I'm just like, how, yeah,
0: they yeah. really
3: pack so much punch. Yeah, I don't know how they do that either.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm too long winded. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the last romance novel that you read besides your own?
3: Um. What is the last romance novel that I read? Uh, the, bit, the last big one I read was All the Fields um, by Olivia Dade, and I mm. love that book, it was really fun. She's really funny, I like the way she writes. Um, yeah. And then I read a lot of, um, what's it called? I read, I read a lot of um, arts and betas that I owe people. Um, so I'm reading one right now, that's an indie author. And I just got, ooh, I got. I just got The Year of Cecily. Um, from Lisa Lynn and that one's coming out and she was also, um, also an Asian American author. Nice. So yeah, that one's not coming out yet uh, till next oh. year, but I got an art for it. So I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got that one on my Kindle yesterday. Nice. Nice.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you listen to music when you write? And if so, what kind of music?
3: Um, I should listen to music when I write, but I just feel like, um, but I don't, uh, mm-hmm. And so it depends so if it's i a Christmas book, it's Christmas music. Um, but I'm writing like Germanic ones. I listen to like
2: songs. So um, mm-hmm. it'll be like Lewis Capaldi and yeah. Star and like Jewel and, um, you know sad on these songs.
0: Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um is there a book out there that's so good that you're like, dang, I wish I wrote that book?
3: Uh, I just read the a series, a fantasy series. I don't normally read fantasy. Um, it's called the Jane Bone, the Jane Jade Bone Saga by Fonda Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, and like every each book is like a thousand pages, and it's so freaking good. Mm. I loved it. Like I like I demolished the whole series in a month. Wow it'll take me it'll take
0: me three years to read a thousand pages but okay
3: (laughs) it's so good um i also read recently so i also don't read ya that often um Mm. i read book called um what's it called the last oh last night at the telegraph hotel by melinda lowe Mm
2: -hmm. that one was
3: also really really good
2: um Mm. and actually
3: sorry and then the book that um i wish i wrote but i know i'd never ever be able to is um ocean bombs uh on earth were briefly gorgeous i love that book so much so good um and also karen hargrove's wrote a book called the mercies which is also
2: excellent Mm, yeah Yeah. yeah, if you get a five-star rating
3: for me it's like it's the best book in the universe like i i'm very like stingy with my five-star rating (laughs) Um, like seriously yeah
0: yeah mm -hmm is there a favorite word that you use in your writing a
3: lot A favorite word i don't mm-hmm. know um like banal i don't know or um what's called quotidian i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i try to i don't know i think i use the word banal quite often okay, okay. my favorite word is the, the word about being boring
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um if your book were to become a movie who would you cast in it um which one stuck with you yes let's do stuck with you
3: i don't know because these guys are like younger um i don't know like I want to say like a Zendaya type, but not like mm-hmm. Zendaya. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I you know what? It's, it's really it's really hard because I'm not I don't know anybody that's like I don't know any actor basically that's under um, the age of thirty five. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the only actors I know under the age of thirty five are like Spider Man and um, his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tom Holland. <laughs> okay. All I right. would just leave that. I just leave that to the people who can do their job. Probably. Okay.
0: Um, where do you see romance novels going in like the next ten
3: years? They're not going anywhere. <laughs> um, like, like romance is. Um, what is it? Females are the highest consumers of fiction, mm-hmm. and then the highest, um, and then that piece of the pie where women are the highest consumers of fiction. Um, ro- you know, romance is the biggest piece of that pie not women's Mm -hmm. fiction not like it's not literary it's right yeah right so
0: if someone was trying to get into romance what author old or new would you tell them to start reading first
2: i don't
3: know it depends what they like Mm. okay okay there's still yeah there's lots of flavors
0: yeah that's true it's something for everybody in romance It really is. And people think it's one note, but it's really not. There's like so many genres and subgenres
2: and sub subgenres.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, Something for everybody. Um finally, when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about
3: the books that you wrote? Um just not oh, I want people to think I'm funny. I hope they like find my books kind of like funny and charming and sweet and that the characters are people that they know. Like, um, it's really hard because, you know, you want to write books that are um, relatable, but also, um, but also, you know, sweet and happy and charming.
2: Mm
3: I can't remember. I think it's like Noah Hockley, the one who wrote like Squid and the Whale and The Marriage. Mm -hmm. He's always writing stories about, he's like, they're real people. I was like, yeah, but nobody wants to watch miserable nobody wants to watch miserable people
0: yes
2: that's true yeah like,
3: <laughs> like you know it's okay like you can you're allowed to like highlight the pockets of joy in life right um, right because it, you know that's where that's what makes life worth living I think
0: yeah that's so true
2: mm-hmm.
0: all right so um fortune where can people find you on social media and where can we purchase your books
3: um, you can find me everywhere on social media at Fortune Whalen, just my name. Um, website, fortunewhalen.com. My books are available at all major retailers. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Apple Books. Um, if you, oh, you can also buy them at like Chapters and in Indigo if you order them online. And, um, and this, obviously, the Thule website, or um, Thule Publishing as well. Mm-hmm. If you're local um, to me, my local indie bookstore stocks my books. They are called Cafe Books. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also get there. It's also at libraries all around um, Canada and U.S., which is really cool. So yeah. I'm, every, I'm everywhere. I'm <laughs> everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I meant to ask, are we going to get any audio books for, for the books or no? um,
3: I don't, excuse me, I don't know yet. Um, no, nah, I don't know yet.
0: It might be okay. a mm-hmm. Okay, all right, cool all right thank you fortune thank you so much for coming on to the podcast this has been awesome and uh we look forward to the next installment in the dorses of conception bay series and more lovable hockey brothers
3: (laughs) thank you so much for having me
0: this was really thank you and we are back. Thank you all for listening to the interview. I hope you all enjoyed it. Once again, you can find out everything about Fortune at Fortune Wayland. That's Fortune, dot com. So all of her social media and everything is listed there as well as uh, where you can purchase her books. So um, in watching Romance, um, y'all, this weekend... It's about to be down in the valley with a girl. Get naked. I'll be watching p Valley on June third. Um, <laughs> when does y'all... that air now? Because I still got
1: to binge watch the other. June
0: third, okay. uh, which is Friday, um, and it's going to be. Awesome! Um, I'm really excited to know what happens with all of our favorite characters. Um, um, you know, uh, our boy Uncle. Everybody, we we, we got to figure out what's going on. You know, with 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 the craziness. You know, there was a there was a little bit of a kerfuffle last season. I don't want to give it away because the Kenny has not seen it, so I'm gonna <laughs> be quiet. But yeah, we're gonna see what happens and if are gonna be any ramifications from that. So, yeah, y'all, I'm so excited for that but um anyway um also the courtship like i said the finale aired last week um meg and i did the last podcast for it um last week as well and it should be airing to tomorrow i think which is wednesday we we film on uh we record on tuesday so it's gonna be airing on wednesday mm-hmm. uh, the first um on the plot trips podcast yeah. um so yeah i wasn't really satisfied with the finale Okay. I wasn't really satisfied with who she picked. <laughs> I had my own personal favorite who I actually tweeted and told him, like, yo, dude, I, I am I am very disappointed. He actually uh, uh, wrote us back. So I'm hoping, who knows, we're, Meg and I are crossing our fingers to see if we're going to get, like, an exclusive with him so we can talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if, if that happens. If not, that's cool, too. But we had a really good time uh, talking about uh, the, the courtship. I don't know if it's going to get renewed. It was on a weird, funky time slot. They moved it to USA. I think it was because it was a black woman who was the focus, and
2: yeah, y- y'all
0: know how it is. y'all yeah. know how it is yeah. with rating stuff. So who yeah. knows if,
2: exactly. if they
0: bring it back? Maybe they'll do do it like with a guy this time, and mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Um, I was hoping they do it with the guy Christian, and maybe have girls and guys vying for his love because he's pansexual. So I don't know. I mean, there's ways they can kind of revamp this show and bring it back and do something kind Mm -hmm. of fresh. Yeah, do something kind of fresh with it. So I hope it comes back. So, you know, if so, then Meg and I will be there and and do another, you know, recap of it. So who Mm -hmm. who knows? Um, And over the um, break, besides watching Stranger Things, which is not a romance on Netflix.
1: All my kids were talking about, Mom, are you going to watch Stranger Things? I said no, because I don't feel like binge-watching all the past they Girl. said it's more popular than squid squid games or whatever it was called It is. why well, I didn't love squid is. games you didn't like squid games? it was okay I mean you know what when somebody hypes something up too much not somebody oh. but when the world the country hypes it up <laughs> I just uh-huh. I just would rather go in without all the hype so it oh, was okay it was, yeah, okay. But, it was but, just so and, much and hype
0: yeah and especially this half season of Stranger Things which is not a romance it's sci-fi like we said the episodes are like an hour and a half, sometimes almost two yeah. hours long. They're like long movies, what? and so wow. I'm like, "Ooh, child!" I'm like, "I don't know." It's like so that. Then, it a good.
2: Show. And this
0: is only part one, so the part mm-hmm. two it comes out in July. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see that you know the next half of it in about a, yeah. a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I also watched a show of E.T. Plus and it's called Kingdom Business. Now, if you love, <laughs> it's like a combination of Greenleaf meets P Valley. Oh, so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: Like two opposite extreme mega church meets strip club. It
0: is. It is. Listen, Whoa, prim- a, what's it called? Prim- sure a- Kingdom Business. It's on BT Plus. Business. It's a new. It's a fairly new show. What What about- um,
1: network is this on?
0: BT Plus.
1: Okay. Okay. And so
0: um anyway, it, it's about this girl who's a stripper. But she really is a talented singer. She wants to be a gospel singer, and she's kind of mm-hmm. gotten away from a church. And her dad is like this big time, like pastor or
1: whatever. Do they and... know what she does, or she keeps it quiet. Uh,
0: mm, I don't want. Okay, do that okay. You don't <laughs> just
1: say. <something. laughs> Sounds good. I'm intrigued.
0: But I'm intrigued. It, it, y'all go watch it. It has um the girl from um that was in um uh, what's my show uh, Empire? I think her name's Soraya or whatever. Oh, yeah. The play oh, Tiana. So- yeah, she's the main accountant. character. Eliza okay. Adams makes an appearance in there. Okay. I think the dad is Michael Beach. Um, so oh, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting show. To... Okay. Yeah, from, from Foley. Hill. <laughs> yes. I mean, I mean, he always playing Cheetah, but you know.
2: Right.
0: But anyway. it's really good it's really good y'all go check it out and i can't wait because also season two of all the Kings queen's men is also coming back too
1: i think this summer yeah
0: so that's BT plus that's coming too so y'all
2: have your
1: hands full this summer Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. and then uh speaking of going back to netflix i ain't talking about romance i actually caught a couple episodes i haven't finished yet a couple episodes of the show love on the spectrum everybody was telling me to watch it and i was kind of like i, oh, know, I don't know i don't want to i don't want to watch it i don't know but i think that would be such a good topic for us at such a later later point about you know love and relationships if you're on like a neurodivergent spectrum okay. and so um these these different people are trying to find love and relationships, to even get married mm-hmm. um and find partners and they may have autism they may have Asperger's and they okay. may have ADHD yeah. whatever they have it's a neurodivergency and so they're trying to you know find love and yeah. relationships they go on dates it's so funny and Okay, it, it's yeah. a really sweet it's, it, it's a sweet and sort of wholesome show yeah. but it's, yeah. really, it's really cute about these people trying to find love and mm-hmm. you know and it's not all seedy you know and, yeah. and, yeah. and all kind of stuff like, like Temptation Island or something like that but yeah, it's a reality yeah. show where people are really trying to, you know, live happy, whole, healthy lives. Yeah, so I love
1: that. That's very yeah, nice. it's
0: real cute. Did you watch anything over the holiday weekend, or you just,
1: just? Um, I had some stuff in my DVR that I had not watched, so it's not new. But I did finally get a chance to check out, um. Keeping up with the Jones. Is that the show? Oh, yeah. yeah. The three part little two hour uh, mm-hmm. series that I think they're probably testing out to see if there's interest. It's yeah. Vivica Fox's show, and it's pretty mm-hmm. much like a Black Dynasty. So, yes. yeah, I had that kind of dvr and was saving it to watch for a rainy day. And I had oh, my opportunity this weekend. So, I binge watched each of them. They're each two hours. So, they were like mm-hmm. two, three movies basically. Yeah. Each of them mm-hmm. with like a different kind of like little plot and wrap up at the end really is just like dynasty if you watch it you Mm -hmm. know with the Jones family and then the is it the Devereaux family even the name Devereaux is from from Dynasty Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed it tremendously I hope that they decide to pick it up and make it a regular series. I think it would be a very nice yeah a nice little lifetime series and Mm -hmm. you know I I enjoyed the actresses and the actors and it was it was Mm -hmm. just good acting and it's funny because each of the shows has a little title um, and the first one they called the wrong family, which we know is Vivica Fox. Yeah, so, you yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> the wrong to call
1: Yeah, <laughs> her her partnership or whatever, her wrong collabo with uh with Lifetime that we love. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was very enjoyable. You know, it's it's re airing. You know, on Lifetime Movie Network or Lifetime if you missed it. So it, it's worth mm-hmm. a watch. Yeah, it's, that it's was a good. Of, yeah, a little bit of a time commitment because, like I said, mm-hmm. they're two hours each, but very satisfying. You know, the mm-hmm. usual of a dynasty murder like Dallas murder, sex, lies, infidelity. Mm-hmm. corruption all that good stuff. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. in, our, in like a nighttime soap or whatever. Yeah. So I watched yeah. that. And what else did I watch? Um I think that was that was really it. Nothing, nothing too crazy. I'm still watching Love and Marriage DC. That's mm. been enjoyable. It's funny when I was reporting on the Devin Franklin um, joining Married at First Sight if anyone's mm-hmm. been watching Love and Marriage DC there's a little plot going on where one of the women in the group is kind of like being a relationship expert and she had like an unsuccessful marriage actually two unsuccessful marriages so the girls were kind of getting on her like how do you call yourself a relationship expert And she was trying to make the point, you know, like Devin, like I have jewels to kind of share and wisdom Mm. to share. And I think that can absolutely be true. And the woman was like, I don't think that, you know, the definition of a relationship expert is, you know, defined by someone who had a successful relationship. And the other woman was like, I think it is actually. I do think that's the definition. And so, you know, they both made valid points or whatever, Um, Mm -hmm. but it just was interesting because I, like I said, I think that you can absolutely have failed relationships, but it is nice to have like a little bit of a success story, but I do think you can give a lot, you know, from Mm -hmm. having lived through something, you know, difficult, but it really is nice to kind of be able to say, and this is what makes for a happy, ever happily ever after. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just to have the balance. So they, the girls had butted heads and stuff. It's, it's a very entertaining show. And like I said, for me, it's close to home because it is filmed in D.C. And I'm from Maryland, D.C. So I'm, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. that very much. So that mm-hmm. and um, Loving Hip Hop. Not Loving Hip Hop. Basketball Wives L.A. And that's OK. I've been watching that. That's it. Oh,
0: and Yakinie, don't forget, girl, on the first Real Housewives of Dubai.
1: Oh yeah. Yes, I the decided first. I'm watching that. Yes,
0: I am watching it I'm too, girl. Because I need to that. see the opulence. I need to see the opulence. yeah, yeah. yeah. The jewel.
1: That's awesome. mean, June first. Yeah. You mean is when it airs? Mm-hmm, June first. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. Yep. I'm so, enjoy that. Woo. Yes, I definitely got my DVR set because I need to see the mess, and yeah. I need to see, yeah. I need to see yeah, the mess.
1: I need to see that as well. And they
0: got some sisters on there. They got some, you know, um,
1: yeah, Eastern women. Um, it's gonna be interesting, and it's yeah show where people are truly wealthy because you truly know it feels like Atlanta you have like Sheree who's like me and you maybe building her dream house but she piecing it together as the bike, <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying right, and then there's right. talks of her not paying her assistant and then mm-hmm. this and then the contractors talking about she didn't pay me for the pool you know this mm-hmm. is true opulence where money is no object they are just focused on the drama and the relationship so mm-hmm. it should be interesting it Yeah, these be.
0: women have long uh, when I talking about long money like yeah. long, long money oil yeah. Money. yeah that type of money and I just cannot wait to like
1: And it's funny because it. I thought that about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and then Jen Shaw mm-hmm. turned out to be a scammer so because mm-hmm. she was very opulent out of all of the ladies she kind of was the flashiest and mm-hmm. appeared to just have so much wealth but we didn't really understand why and we see how that ended but no I know these, she would have been good had. on this show she yeah, yeah well good the way on she the herself she would have fit in mm-hmm. very well but very you know,
0: well, but, well but you, you, you know, know we, we don't, don't... Yeah, yeah we're going to see. And, and Portia, I mean, Phaedra's going to make a little appearance on there, I too. saw
1: that. I saw that. <laughs> I am very eager to see how she fits in and who is she friends with. Because when I saw yes. her in the little hijab, I said, Phaedra. Stay <laughs> um, on your way to Dubai. <laughs> Let me understand so. that,
0: they I understand they why Candy has put scare her, foot her down. way into a man over Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: I, I would mm-hmm. like to see her married to a, a very rich person to help support her and her boys and just love on her and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I think she made a very terrible mistake with what she did on the Real Housewives of Atlanta. But oh, yes. it's like you know, it was really bad judgment. Um, but mm-hmm. Candy just has a lot of power in that franchise to say if she comes back, I'm out. You can right. tell Andy really values what Candy brings. Right. So you know, she adds like right. r- real business acumen and real money mm-hmm. to the franchise. So he doesn't mm-hmm. want to lose that. But you know, Frasier yeah. wants something special. So yes. I'm I'm looking yes. forward to seeing her and her personality on, in Dubai. That should be. Yes,
0: that will be. Special. i she's on be there funny. for a couple
1: of episodes. I do too. I do yeah. too. I want to see what she
0: does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yes. Um, like you said, in reading romance, um, just you all go out and purchase my friend Fortune's books, they are stuck with you, which is out now, and then one night with you, which comes out July 26th as part of her Dorsey's of Conception Bay series. And in listening romance, I want to shout out another friend, Corey, of Corey's Corner. She's launching her podcast. They have a little long extended trailer, which is about 14 minutes that's up now. And she's going to have weekly episodes. So if you love historical romance, you love Outlander, Bridgerton, all that good stuff, and you love uh, talking about TV shows and stuff, she is the person for you. It's her and her best friend who are going to do the podcast together. So shout out to my friend Corey. Congratulations on the launch of your podcast. And in the upcoming weeks, we have some really, really cool stuff happening on the 10th, we're going to have an air our LGBT Pride Romance Panel. It's going to be featuring Chaz Lamar Cruz, Frederick Smith, Katrina Jackson, Fiona Zedd, and Erin Foley, who are all amazing Black, queer, LGBT writers and romance writers. And you guys, it's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for you all to hear Um, And then we're going to wrap up the season on June 17th, and that'll be our season three wrap-up special. Uh And then on the 18th on Instagram Live, I will be dropping the Romance and Color summer reading list. So um, I decided against the LGBT reading list because honestly, um, the folks featured on the podcast panel, I want you all to read their books. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's my focus for that. Instead of dropping a separate list for Pride Month, like I we that normally makes sense. do, yeah, yeah. So I just want you guys to go out and just purchase their books, and you know we'll talk more about what they have coming up and on the podcast. But you all, that's it for now. So um, you can't even say anything or get have them to read anything or watch anything. Yeah,
1: no, no, that's <laughs> it. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you all take care, and we will see you all next week. Have a great our, week, a guys! Special,
2: yeah, bye, bye, bye.